0: House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 9, The Green Council. This is our first impressions review. All right. Yeah. Well, pretty good? Yeah. Um, this <laughs> I was is... tense, like, yeah. the whole
1: episode.
0: <laughs> this is not a criticism. I actually kind of like it, but the pacing of this show is just so all over the place. Yeah. From fast episode to slow contemplative, contemplative episode. But I, I kind of like that you get a different director's artistic spin each time. Yeah. So this one felt very different than last week. Last week was like these long, drawn-out scenes, uh, staring at people's faces for a long one, and this was just quick. Yeah, it was good. You know, when he dies, right away they convene a council, and I thought that was well done, and I liked that they were all planning behind Allison's back, <laughs> which, which she didn't know.
1: Which shows her naivete here still, because it's not like they just started a week ago they've been doing this for years right and, how and could, she had no
0: idea how could they not be doing that but it's one of those things she's more upset that she wasn't included than that they were actually doing it mm-hmm. but it's like because yeah, she was doing do it, it too
1: she was just doing it kind of on her own or thinking that like I think her dad would just support her I think she deluded herself into thinking that she had more power and control than she really did and what this showed her is what Rainey said is that you're not in control all these men around you, including every single man that was in on it at the small council, held more power than her with a lot of this.
0: Yeah, I have a few things to say about that. But before we get there, let's just uh, have a sip for Lord Beesbury, who was also not included in the, uh, yeah. in, in the proceedings. Well, they read him right. Yeah, right. Um, they were smart not to include him. And he uh, was, you know, the old man left on the thing. So as he said, he knew Viserys longer than anyone else, and he remained loyal to him.
1: I think there's a statement in that, that he knew Viserys longer than anyone else there, and he knew Viserys did not want this. Yeah. And so what he is trying to say is anybody who really knows Viserys and Viserys wishes, this isn't it. It's a very clear distinction here of... What is about what Viserys wants and who's on their own political agenda here? And and the Greens, pretty much, it's very clear at this point that it's not about what's best for the realm. It's not about who's the the best successor. It's who wants to be in power and who's grabbing for it in what ways.
0: Yeah, and I really liked the conflict, the inner turmoil, and the resolution for Westerling commands Cole to take off his cloak but that that doesn't go anywhere but i like the the tension the showdown that they had and just him he
1: commands him to take off his cloak
0: yeah if i remember correctly as soon as cole kills him he draws his westerling draws his sword and says take off your cloak like you're basically dismissed from the kingsguard oh maybe um, he did say that yeah so and this is always why we do a second viewing with notes because we're, not, we're never quite sure uh, well, so much yeah, happens there's, there's so much and, it, and it's also harder to pay attention to the details when it's like tension in the room but then he ends up resigning.
1: It's a very interesting resignation here because what he says is I'm a knight or I'm the Lord Commander of the King's Guard and I serve the King. And so until there's the next ruler, I kind of don't really know what to do. So you can't just command me the way you did before. Because I don't serve you. So he's being very loyal to his position and and what it represents. So I don't think he's resigning completely. He's just saying, I'm going to hold off until I know who I'm serving again.
0: It's also a way to get safely out of the room. With honor. Right. Well, yeah, but not just that, but he knows that if he were to say this is treachery or whatever, like uh, Eric, Eric, brother of Eric does, he might end up facing Cole right there in that room. So he, Which he
1: was prepared to do.
0: Right, he was prepared to do, but that's that's a flip of a coin at best. Um, he's he's a little aged now, but good tension, good scene all around. I really like the development of the split between Otto and Allison. They're almost having their own little kind of civil war in here. Probably not going to come to blows, but it was just interesting that they're not on the same page, and Otto has really uh, really stepped up his game this episode, and... Before I didn't, I I kind of liked Otto before, but now it's like, how, you know, he's just ruthless. That's just it. Yeah.
1: And he's got Littlefinger vibes for me where he, he's ruthless. He'll do whatever he needs to. He has no problem killing people or, or going to certain lengths, but he's not a warrior.
0: Yeah. And he's also not a creep like Laris or Littlefinger like he's yeah. not like smarmy <laughs> you know no that's you
1: know? true he, he's got more tywin uh vibes but the difference between like tywin and otto i guess the best way i can put it it's like in this dark family he who passes the sentence should swing the sword and what they're kind of saying is that if you're gonna verbally give commands that have such far-reaching often mortal consequences you need to be there for it you can't just turn a blind eye to that sort of thing. Um, it, it helps keep you, I think, connected as the type of ruler you need to be. And Otto's the type of guy where he does not want to get his hands dirty in that way in, in any respect. I yeah. don't like that at all about people like Otto. Th- a, those are people you should look out for, particularly.
0: He's a slimy player without being a slimy character. Like, he's a slimy character, but you know what I'm saying. He's not a creepo like these other guys. <laughs> they have a little race to...
1: Is Laris, like, a, a an ancient version of, like, an incel?
0: Um, well, involuntarily celibate. I don't think he's that, uh, so no. But it did make me wonder how far Allison would let him go. Like but With
1: her moral piety. And right,
0: then... so he seems content to just... Be a foot fetish guy from a distance, um, but
1: I the whole time I'm watching that is like okay clearly this has happened several times before. There's a whole you know. up in the ante here, which I think he likes every step. That it's not just like she whips them out right away, um, <laughs> but that she first shows the feet and puts them on display and then takes off the socks. And yeah. um, I just couldn't help but think like how did he first broach this? How right. did, how did this become known to Allison? And because all she's known is Viserys and Viserys wasn't like this at all. So.
0: Well, she also uh, told Cole to go do his thing and said, your feelings for me. Mm -hmm. So what's going on there? So I thought they suggested something about that a few episodes ago. I mean, do you think she's doing something with Cole or just manipulating him um, emotionally?
1: There's a lot of insinuations you can take from that. It's also in a time she really needs it. I could say that to you in a moment of crisis of like everything that you feel for me, please do this for me. Right. And it's not manipulation. So we just don't have the background. So we have to be careful I think of how we fill that in because it it could be actually very
0: Right, but you can say mutually
1: really- like uh, involved where right. he's like, "Yeah, I feel okay, I understand this is a big deal for you and that's your way of saying it."
0: Right. But you can say that to me because you're my wife. Like, they're, they're supposed to have a professional relationship. Well, what I mean to say <laughs> is
1: that you and I mutually are into each other and have affection for each other. And we both are aware of it. We don't know that that's not the case for them. And so even though they're not married and they're not out with it, that could still very much be the case. It, it, it's like Jamie and Cersei. They weren't out, but they could be like, please do this for me.
0: Well, I know, but they're, you're giving examples of people who are in a relationship.
1: That's what I'm saying is we don't know that they're not. The right. show has not told us they're not. Right. We are assuming they're not, but we were also assuming that Lars isn't jerking off to Allison's feet all this time. And so clearly a lot's been going on here and she could be, do I think she's having an affair with him? I think she's emotionally cheating. Let me put it that way yeah. with, with, uh, Sir Kristen Cole. I think that they talk all the time and, but do I think that there was a physical relationship? No.
0: Well, we might get a win-win situation here where Lars or Cole, uh, Take one of each other out. <laughs> um, well,
1: we, we did talk about this a few uh, episodes ago. If there would end up being some competition here because they both have.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not just about power or, or that sort of thing. Like we see with Laris, he has a thing for Allison. But because he could easily pay someone to do this.
0: So now he says he can take out the head. Well, this is definitely something we'll have to watch again to see who he's talking about. It almost certainly wasn't Otto. It seemed like he was talking about Otto, but they're they're not that far gone. He must have been talking about the white worm. He he must have been talking about how he can take out the receiver of the information. Well, worms can,
1: not all, but some can weave, produce thread, silk.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. All these metaphors. But I think he was saying he could take her out, but it could have been, I mean, it could have been talking about Otto. It could have been talking about Renera, but...
1: No, he was talking about who is managing the information of King's Landing. And yeah. it's either Otto or the White Worm. My guess is it's the White Worm here. There is some room for interpretation that it could be Otto too, because he's weaving things as well. Something that I missed, and maybe they showed it or they didn't. How did Laris figure out that Talia, or uh, the, the maid to Alicent, was the informant? That was not clear to me.
0: Uh, yeah, he took her to prison. And I think he got the info from her. Oh, tortured? Yeah. Or somehow got her to spill the beans. That's what I took it from it. Because they were putting all those people in the black cells. And she was one of them. So I assume
1: they were just doing that to make sure that the word did not get out. They were trying to control the information. And so they took everybody that knew so far that Viserys was dead. I thought they were doing it just temporarily.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. And I, I still think that's the case. Like they were just right. Until we make this announcement, everyone is holed up here. But since he had that information later, I have to assume that's how he got it. And then, you know, the White Worm meets with Otto and wants this child ring of fighting put out in exchange for Aegon. They've met before. Yep. So I don't know if he remembers or if he is aware of that.
1: He seems surprised to know who she was. But he has interacted with this source before. And I remember we kind of talked about how he never gave up his source. It might be that he never knew. He just knew it was right. reliable. But now he's like, so you're the white worm. And it's like, hmm, okay. Um, I think we see a really interesting side of Missaria here where she is definitely sticking her neck out. She, makes, she purposely wants to be known, but why is she doing this? What's her prerogative? She is trying to help King's Landing. She is trying to help those who are, I mean, the child ring,
0: well, we really get to see how depraved Aegon truly is.
1: Yeah, but what she also says is we all know that Aegon is not in control or have power at all. And it, what it, she says is that basically you allow it. You turn a blind eye or you don't know. And both of those things are very bad. This is a really good indication of the type of rule the Greens would have, where kids have to have their teeth and fingernails filed and are thrown into a ring and kill each other for sport.
0: This comes to our attention because Aegon is into this. He's a fan of it. His Possibly his bastard children are fighting. So oh, he, he's a real a real shitbag. I guess the one redeeming quality of Aegon is that he knows he's a shitbag.
1: So I actually don't think that's the case. I don't think he wants the responsibility of being a ruler. Like, Robert hated it.
0: Yeah, that's true. But he also... St- like says i'm not worthy or whatever i think he's
1: doing that to get uh, out of it i think he's doing it so that they'll give him a pass i think he thinks he can have this indulgent life which to be fair he has had his whole life so even though he they he's been chastised all these times of not being better and we've seen some different pieces with that he's been very indulgent nobody has really brought him to heal in any way he's been like this for over a decade and i think he has reason to believe he can continue
0: to be this and just And we contrast that with his little brother who wants the role.
1: We now see that Amund wants it.
0: He wants it. He says he's not just a warrior. He reads the histories and the philosophies. And he is ready to be king.
1: Well, he's just like Jace.
0: Just like Jace. They're both... But badass. They've (laughs) both been
1: preparing themselves to be king. And Amund has been doing this for a long time. There's no brotherly love there. No. And I don't think there ever was.
0: Which is probably a good thing. Considering they're both well, we don't know if Amon's a shitbag. I mean, he is
1: oh. different
0: different kind of shitbag than Aegon. Yes, but so at least they're not on the same page. It's like
1: <laughs> comparing Laris and Otto. They're both right. in the same ballpark, yeah. but they're they're not the same positions. Amon is Amon scares me. Amon is like Lord Bolton to me.
0: Right. So they go on this chase to go find Aegon, which I liked. I just liked uh, we get a better view of these twin brothers that they're not on the same page yeah
1: that surprised me yeah
0: so eric with an e is the one that that we're gonna like or whatever so far he's the one who who rescued or gets rainies out of there but was um, he
1: the one who didn't save his brother when he was fighting
0: yeah so that was interesting so right so the two brothers are sent to find aegon and then cole and Amund are sent are sent to him. so these are all like probably the four of the Probably the best fighters in the show we have. Four out of the, the top five or six. And then Cole, you know, for all his um, losing his cool and killing two people, his fight with Eric with an A is not a violent fight. He, well,
1: and they're fighting on the same side. They're just fighting. for right. One's fighting for Otto and one's fighting for Allison. But they're both on the same side. So right. I, I did Cole know that?
0: I don't know. But he lets him go. He, he beats him and then shrugs him off. And also brother Eric... The one who was fighting Cole even says like, "Are you not going to help me?" And Brother Eric doesn't help him. If it was a life and death situation, he probably would have helped. But so it's just interesting. Cole has control of himself, so he picks and chooses. At least now, maybe not when he killed Sir Joffrey, but he didn't kill this guy, and his brother just let it go. So, just interesting dynamics across the board.
1: I mean, this is one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. Here is that they're they can take something in and. And to, I guess to continue this metaphor, weave so many different parts into to make it interesting. We didn't see anything of Renera or Damon or any of that this episode, and there was just so much intrigue going on, pretty much in every scene. I was, I was like, oh my god, are they going to kill Aegon? Is that did they just lead this, and now Aegon's gone, and this just flipped again? Is this one of those moments where the trajectory just... It's the same, but completely changes at the same time. And I was ready for them to kill him there. And I was like, "Oh, does does Amon now take the throne?" And
0: right, yeah, I know. When the when the tension's high, and you know, a show like this, nobody has uh, plot armor except perhaps Damon uh, or why? Um, right, maybe not Damon, but but right, someone like Aegon or even Rhaenys, Like when when she bursts through the floor.
1: Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I don't think anyone's got plot armor, yeah. at least for me. I don't know what's going on. So maybe that's you because you know what's going on. No, I'm
0: me... not spoiling it. But you, you just think about who is a big presence and...
1: Yeah, but that means you know. nothing in this. Yeah. Ned had a huge presence. Sometimes in Game of Thrones, you, you would start to get to know a character and be like, oh, this is a big person. Oh, okay. They are dead. They're done now.
0: <laughs> right. But I would say like Tyrion had plot armor throughout. Like you knew nothing was going to happen to him. Uh, except for maybe at the very end, or you knew that Arya, nothing was going to happen to her except for maybe at the very end. I think the
1: only one who had plot armor distinctly for me was Daenerys up until the end. You just knew that she was going to be a part of that. I guess Arya too, I'll give that to you. Arya as well. So Arya and Danny were the two that I think I really believe strongly that they were needed. Uh, Maybe Cersei.
0: But regardless, when, Ra- <laughs> when, uh, when Rainy's burst through the floor, I did keep wondering because I knew she, she couldn't take out the whole family because that'd be the end of the show. So I was like, oh, God, is a, a spear or an arrow going to hit her in the back or something? Like, you know, how, how is they going to get out of this? And they got out of it because she just chose to be merciful and send a message rather than uh, take them all out.
1: It's funny because I'm, I'm conflicted about this. She killed a bunch of peasants yeah the
0: little people never oh (laughs) and and i'm not (laughs) talking a couple right probably at least a hundred or something
1: hundreds that she was just a part of and and to prove a point because (laughs) yeah i so that part is hard for me that that doesn't make her look too great she does something here where she basically says, I could have killed you all and I didn't. Remember this. Yeah. I had all the power. Because they weren't prepared for a dragon in the middle of the sept, nobody had spears or anything there. Their swords, that dragon was way too big. There was nothing they could have done there. So she's basically saying, look here. Actually, I have the power right now. And, and I think it, it, it goes back to what she was talking to uh, Allison about. Only as much power, because just in the same way where they're crowning Aegon in front of everybody here, she also shows all the people, look how much power you have when you have a dragon and you know how to wield one. And that also is a lesson that she, that's what she's telling. You only have as as much power as the people give you. And so I I don't know if that will, this will kind of serve Rainies, but I think we're led to believe that she's going to go tell Renera here that Renera is going to find out, I think, in a matter of hours.
0: The dragon was effing huge, too. Yeah. It's got to be...
1: Well, and we see that Rainies is a formidable fighter here on a dragon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she managed to slip out, get her armor on and everything. No,
1: <laughs> and then, she's wearing a dress.
0: Uh, she has, she has some kind of armor on, I think.
1: I think it's a dress. All right, well, that's so, why we do second episodes. When, when Eric came and got her, I think she had dressed for the day. And she's wearing regal attire.
0: Whatever the case yeah she chooses to be merciful, right she's almost certainly going to go tell Renara because what else is she going to do if she's got to pick sides? One other thing I want to draw attention to is that when they are they kill Lord Caswell, which was sad, you know I was just uh, <laughs> this this one guy who showed support for Renara twice. I was hoping he'd be part of the story yeah you know? um
1: it, it was a little funny to me because didn't wouldn't it be super obvious if you try to leave after all of that like he you see him. Make the decision when two people dissented and knew they were probably going to die for it. Which we don't know. We didn't see that when there was that initial bend the knee in this moment. Yeah. We see him really think about it and accurately realize, oh, I better bend down. So he's all cautious there. And then all cautious to the wind there. Like, well, in such own, an obvious he way. He
0: moments from getting out. And then later, Otto thanked Lares for the info. So I think Lares was the X factor here of uh, how he got yeah, caught.
1: Yeah, we, we saw him looking up from the balcony there. Um.
0: But then the other X factor that they just briefly mentioned is, so they got to find allies on both sides and storm's end is the big question mark here. So Boris is Boris Baratheon and that's who they have to convince. It sounds like, so what happens in the book here is that they, they're, they're trying to figure out the loyalties and they go all the way back to the great council and find out who supported who in the, in the records. So even though, Viserys got 20 votes to one of Rhaenys. They look back and see who supported Rainey's 25 years ago or whatever it was. Or, oh. or f- and Storm's End supported... And the Brathians supported Rainey's. Rainey's is a Bratheon. Her mom is a Bratheon. Okay. The two big, powerful houses are Brathians and Lannisters. And Brathians are closer and, I believe, more powerful. Maybe not as rich.
1: It does make me wonder a little bit about uh, the Strongs. Even though Larry's is in charge, I wonder how much... People like him of his house, and the fact that everybody knows that uh, Renery's children are so strong.
0: <laughs> oh, you mean, yeah, like what side the strongs will like. Follow. I wonder
1: if it'll divide right. the house, where yeah. people will defect from the house and go fight.
0: That's one of those ones. I have no idea how strong the strong household is. Mm-hmm. So he's Lord of Harrenhal, which is not nothing.
1: Do people have any respect for him?
0: Right, but but is it even a large house? Yeah, like it's the the castle is huge, but it's all burned down and messed up. So I don't know if he has like 30 people in his household or like 300 or 3,000. We have no idea. But right, you are making a good point that if they are recognized as bastards, then why wouldn't the strong support them? Because Larry is such a sicko. Well, and
1: even if they're not recognized as bastards formally, everybody knows. So if they want their own house and blood technically in positions of power, even if it's unrecognized, they Uh go there. But I also don't think Lars commands a lot of respect from the house. So it's probably fallen into some disrepute since his father and older brother, who were much more suited for these roles, had mysteriously died.
0: Civil wars within civil wars.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and I'm curious to see what continues to happen between Alicent and Otto. I think Alicent figured out with not being included in the small co- council's machinations to, to take power and put Aegon on the throne. But then also how much she knew it was a race to find Aegon with her dad. We're seeing discord there. They're they're not in alignment, and I think she's recognizing that. And, and now that Viserys is dead, like the power that she's known, I think is going to disappear.
0: So I'm not going to say anything. But just a question for you: So Lord Beesbury is the first casualty. Mm-hmm. Any predictions on the second?
1: And then Coswell. Uh, oh yeah. Oh God, I'd I'd have to think for a moment here. Cause oh, and I was just assuming that Bela and Reyna went back with Damon and and Renera. It's just Raines who is left.
0: That's the because she would never leave Bala behind. Right. That's the impression I have. Is only Raines is left there. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I'm just trying to think. Is it's, there? It's a, a hard question. And if, if anyone can, left in Kings Landing, we can King's cut Landing.
0: this out if there's, you know. But.
1: Well, there's nobody left in the Small Council or anyone that we've been shown because Coswell died.
0: So it seems the Greens are in full control of Kings Landing.
1: Yeah, I'm just. There's no one else present there. Oh yeah,
0: it's, it's one of the, one of the things, funny how Aegon. I don't want this. I'm not fit. I don't want the responsibility. He quickly, when he saw all those applauds, was yeah. uh, <laughs> you know converted pretty quick.
1: Well, I think that the show was trying to show us more dimension to him, where you, when you think you know something, you. I mean, he's still a, a total cad, but like, there's more to him yeah. than just some sniveling little. And it's just wow. There's there's no love. Renata has, or sorry, there's no love. Allison has for him at all. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> I can't think of anybody who's left here because everybody else is already at Dragonstone. They're they're elsewhere. I have a feeling that uh, Rainy's is going to go with Rhaenyra and then Storm's End is going to go with them again. Well, and I also think Storm's End is going to do that because... If you think about who the uh, what the show has set up for us, Lord Caswell was one, but now we know that's been taken out. But uh, his house might still be for them because his leader just got taken out. Right. And, you know, like the Starks didn't like that when that happened to Ned. So I wonder if any of the houses where their heads got taken, the, the heads of the houses lost their heads, and so they were taken, that those houses might go to their side. But I don't know. I can't remember who they were. We just only got introduced to... Two people that verbally dissented. Uh,
0: Like House Fell or something like that.
1: We did see in some previous episodes the Blackwoods and the... I always forget. The the
0: Brackens and the Blackwoods.
1: Yeah. And Rhaenyra was like, well, why don't we go in and kind of come in and, and figure out... like?" So we do have some exposure to Storm's End a few times. That's where she, she's first meeting suitors, and it came up in that small council meeting. So, But otherwise, they haven't given us anybody else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I look forward to seeing more houses and names that we recognize from Game of Thrones. Uh,
1: Westerling, I'm curious what they're going to do with him because he was actually in that closed room where they, you know, they wouldn't even remove his body, uh, Lord Beesbury. So Westerling knows firsthand what went down. And so if he were to escape or go elsewhere, he would be able to say, this is actually what happened. All right, I know this is our first impressions. This might not make it in, and we do it in our, our deep dive. But I have to say here again, it's going to probably be one of my major criticisms of the show, because this is one area where they, the show, not this even like episodes, because so much hinges upon this, that Allison, in this moment of literally his deathbed, totally drunk on milk of the poppy, thinks this is really what Viserys wants, even though for the last 20 years, he could have done something else and and he didn't. So not only just the fact that he didn't do anything else, does that say something, but he was adamant about not doing something else. So I feel like it's very insulting to Alison's character that she's just this big, huge idiot. I understand that a whole play could be made that she's blinded by what she wants, They haven't done a good job of that because we see a lot of wavering with her with some stuff. And yes, I could understand a certain amount of like blinders up for her of her own desires. But this one thing, it makes her look stupid.
0: Yeah. And they should have left that out, like I said. That, but that, that,
1: that's a huge part of her whole thing here in this episode. She's like, this is what he wanted. She says it to Aegon. She says it to Otto. She says it to the small council. And, you know, we as an audience know that none of them care. They were already going to do this regardless.
0: Right. That it was his dying wish in her mind really doesn't matter. Which makes well, And even... she
1: sees that his dying wish never mattered to them either.
0: Right. Which makes it even more unfortunate that they added that in. Because yeah. it's, it's like, why? What does it matter? And it doesn't matter at all. I guess except that on that side, in the greens, we are now seeing Alicent more sympathetically and Otto more villainously. Um, Because at least she has a reason better than ambition or even better than keeping her children safe to think that they're following the right course.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me, though, because she knows that Rhaenyra would be better than Aegon.
0: Well, right, but now she has a reason. doesn't matter because she's trying to do what Viserys wanted. Hmm.
1: Which makes no sense. That's my point, is it makes no sense. Well, why not? Because you can't take his words there
0: seriously. Oh, it makes no sense because he was that she's taking it so seriously. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was stupid. And like I said, last week it tainted an otherwise great episode.
1: But it also taints her character. And I'll is... say for
0: like the fifth time in these podcasts, the stupid Song of Ice and Fire prophecy doesn't even come true. So <laughs> why are they shoehorning it in? Who is winning and losing the Game of Thrones here?
1: I think Otto's doing well. So, like, again, because I think Otto's doing better than Alicent is. So I'm going to go with Otto is winning here. Um, I'm going to go with who we saw because this is just a few hours. Right, we
0: can't say Reneiro because Um, it all happened. I
1: also think that Rhaenys is winning because the fact that Sir Eric would even bother to think she's important enough to get out and do that for her. the fact that she does get out on her own she survived getting taken away she was able to find her dragon and what an exit so I, I think and we those... assume that
0: that's the beast beneath the boards that must have been what yeah that's you know what, what I, I mentioned to
1: you last yeah. night is I think that's the beast beneath the boards um, at least for Helena's prophecy that she said once again here we'll talk about it in our deep dive but Helena isn't super close to her family members either. Yeah. And then, uh, who's losing? (laughs) Sir Beesbury and Sir Caswell.
0: I'm going to say... Or wait,
1: no. Lord Caswell and Lord Beesbury. They're not knights.
0: I'm going to say Laris is winning. His power...
1: Yeah, Laris is is, actually a good good call.
0: Enhanced again. Um, Yeah.
1: I would have to throw him in there too. I I forgot about him. But yeah, those, those would be my three.
0: Um, losing, let's see. I don't want to go with people who died, even though, you know, they fucked up in their obvious answers. I'm going to say losing is probably Alicent, only in the sense that things are spinning out of her control, and she's being manipulated by Laris, and her dad it seems to have gotten the better end of it this episode. She's not
1: a huge loser to me. No, she's this. not. So... I'm going to put her at neutral. I don't think... That, that's for at least my response to your response, which you're allowed to have.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to choose people who survived the episode who because played the game.
1: Because I don't think Lars is going to jerk off to Otto's feet. Uh, correct. So there's still a lot of power. You're like, yeah, he's playing both of them, but I, I think he prefers her, which gives her an upper hand in some ways. And she still won in terms of finding Aegon first. And she was the one who got Aegon to, to go. We didn't see Otto... You know, making sure Aegon was there. It was all Alicent, so she was still doing quite a lot there. So I would put her at least neutral. Like, I agree with you of why she isn't winning. I'm just saying I don't think she's losing in this
0: episode. Here's one more tough question for you. Who, who would you rather be the king? Aegon or Amon?
1: Amon <laughs> scares the shit out of me. Yeah,
0: there's no reason to think Amon would be inept, but that doesn't mean that he would be a good king.
1: No, he'd be like Mager the Cruel.
0: Oh. I think i'd rather have amond but <laughs> that is it seems because like at least with
1: someone like Aegon, if you've got like a guy like with robert baratheon once ned stark was hand a lot of stuff that needed to be addressed started to be, get
0: to be addressed right. you could just leave it in the hands of someone else right yeah. and, and they're
1: just a figurehead and that i think actually is many rulers throughout history it's actually the people behind them you just need someone to represent the throne and that's really what your job is more than anything because Aegon would be so easily manipulate manipulatable and wouldn't get in the way, I think I would prefer that. Where Aemond, oh no. You, you would every He would be in charge and not just for a show. Yeah. And he would be cruel. Like he's the type of guy to, oh, you little orphan stole some bread. Both your hands.
0: All right. And let me just say for episode 10, hold on to your butts.
1: Oh, I have a feeling (laughs) we're going to be, oh, it's going to feel like a long wait for season two. Yeah. They better be filming that stuff right now.
0: (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you in a few days with our deeper dive.